hundred years. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan? Mike Young stories that need to be told. Sitting here. On a Friday at 11, I got sunglasses on because I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep at all. I was doing karaoke till 2.40 in the morning. Stock tip Dave's sitting over here, but he's not going to say anything until told. I've got him on lockdown. He picked me up this morning, did not stop talking from when he picked me up at the, near, near the Grove all the way till we got to the Valley, and I let it go up until now. So now it's, it's my turn to talk. You just sit back and enjoy. Um, <laughs> Uh yeah, what was I what was what was I just saying just now, Dave? I need you for one second. I lost I lost my train of thought six times today. I don't do well on no sleep or like hiccup sleeps. You know what I mean? Like three hours here, two hours there, and I'm already thinking about the fact that I have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning tonight because Saget thought it was a good idea for us to take a five a.m. flight to Iowa. Because there's no direct flights L.A. to Iowa. I didn't even know Iowa was still a state. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know why you can't get to Iowa in one shot. But Bob came off of vacation, and I knew he was going to do this. He came off of vacation maybe a week ago. And the day he got back, he already started to think about Iowa. But I know what his thought was. His thoughts were, I don't want to be over there. I want to get back as soon as possible. Let's get in and get out the sooner the better. And then while he was making the plane reservation, I could hear him on the phone looking at a 5 a.m. flight. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a bad idea. This is just not a good idea. Nobody needs to be up at that time. They don't need, even Mark Wahlberg on his Instagram doesn't do, he's not in the 3 a.m. club. He's in the 4.30, a.m. wake up club. Nobody wakes up at 3 o'clock for anything. So basically, i got to change my sleep pattern, get to Iowa, four-hour nap in the hotel, and then uh, we got one show, and it'll be great. It'll be great. We're doing a casino in Grand Falls, and we go in Saturday night and back here for Sunday football at goal. I'll be back by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, hopefully. Wow, less than 24 hours. Yeah, it's a less than 24-hour trip, and those trips can be fine, but waking up at, or getting on a plane at 5 a.m., I just don't see the positive part of it, but I'm trying to get my mentality in the, uh, in the you know, I could do anything space. You know what I mean? I could operate on three hours of sleep, you know? After hanging out with Jesse, you know, my boy Jesse Itzler, the 100-mile man, Yeah. You think you could just do anything. You think you could sleep in a chair, sitting up on a wood chair. You think you can just not talk for 40 days and be fine. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to operate at that level. So let me get my sunglasses off because it's getting weird. Might be able to sleep weird. on the plane because the yeah. sounds relax you and stuff. Yeah, but I got a layover in Denver. So we got a two-hour flight. How much are you going to sleep in a two hours to Denver? Two hour, you know, Then another two, and a half, two hours to Iowa. But no complaining. It's a great gig. We're going to go do it. And uh, my brain has just been semi-fried because we're trying to get single mic in order to go shoot it. And our shoot dates were going to be November 5th to the 14th. And then I got a call yesterday to, to write on a new show. And that is going to, that's going to start very soon. So I'm trying to figure out how I can be Balanced. starring in single mic, producing single mic, financing it. You know what I mean? Looking at the budgets every day and then executing it at the same time that I'm writing on a show. The good news is this show, and I can't really say what it is yet, but the show is, it's really a lot of jokes, one-liners, punch-ups, you know, it's its not script delivery, it's just, it, uh, we'll find a rhythm and we'll do it and I'll figure out a way to make it work, but yeah, my brain is about to go into compartmentalization <laughs> mode and I think I'll be able to handle it. But it's so funny because nobody, you forget, man, you forget how hard it is to make anything with a group of people. You know what I mean? And that's why I have a hard time critiquing movies, like saying anything bad, even on a shitty movie. I have a hard time saying anything bad about a movie because now I've, I've made a few movies and it is so damn hard just to get a movie made. Just to get every damn scene put into the can. You know what I mean? Wow, this is my old building calling me. I'm not answering that. How many people do you have to talk to to get, get it done, you think? I mean, Dave, that's, that's, not a, that, that's a number that you can't even... 
it 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 varies. It varies. You know what I mean? Like people just have no idea how tough it is to get, especially getting an independent film made where everyone's not making the money that these studios are paying. You know, so you've got to get your line producer on board, and he's got to give you the budget, and then you got to look at that budget. Then you got to take out the friends and family fees that you know you're getting for free, or things that you're getting for favors, and now you're chopping five thousand, seven thousand out of that budget, ten thousand, twenty thousand out of that budget. You know, then you got to give it to your first to your AD, and he's going to break you down a schedule. Then you're going to look at that schedule. Then you're going to call every single actor in that world, and you're going to say, "Hey, do these days work for you?" And it's, do they work? Do they work? Sometimes they work, and then some actor has something else going on for two days out of those seven days, and now you got to rearrange his schedule and make it work, bro. It is bananas that anything gets done if you're dealing with people. The best way to do it is just get a bunch of out-of-work actors who need something to do and just <laughs> lock them in, which really is what you should do because there's so many great, talented people out there who need work. You get people who want to do the job, you know yeah. what I mean? Not people who are like shuffling you around and like fitting you into spots. But that being said, I'm now I'm one of those people because now I got a, a gig coming up that's legit, real money, network. And I got to fit in my independent project that is my passion project. And people are already in motion on it. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to get my head straight. And I think I'm doing it. But we got to have a couple meetings today. Got to talk to my boy Gary Goldman, who, who AD'd Entourage for all the years, who's just high level. Doesn't let anything get by. You know what I mean? Like you're not squeaking a, a day by on him. He's got everything incredibly organized, letting you know... He'll come to me and go, Mike, turn that day, turn those two day scenes into night scenes because that night we're already going to be somewhere. And he, I'll have to go in the script, turn it to night, make sure the characters understand that they're in the night. You know what I mean? So it's like it is a puzzle and the puzzle pieces have to fit together. And it's fun. It is fun. It's fun. It's awesome fun trying to make it happen. But it is definitely a lot of work trying to get it all to like, you know, be cohesive and, and come to come through. And it's funny because I'm a writer and a director and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this show, but the certain people, they don't think about story so much. You know what I mean? Like on my last movie, one of my, my line producer, it wasn't, it was nothing to him to just say to me, take out those two characters, blend them into one character, make the story go forward Blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, he's talking about something that I've been thinking about for a year. You know what I mean? I've been thinking about these two characters for a year. Now you're just going to come to me on a financial move and you're going to say, cut those two characters, cut those two characters, make them one character. You get the same information. Now, if it's a book, you do whatever the hell you want. You write those characters, you write whatever story you want. But I got to tell, I got to, I got to give him credit because certain things you can fight for. And certain things you can't. So, like, he's got a point. If we got to come into un, in under a certain budget, you have to go trim your characters, trim your locations, simplify your shit if you're not being paid by a studio and it's not a monster thing. Like, even the Wolf of Wall Street, you know what I mean, needed, like, $30 million to get finished. Yeah. This is, like... You know, we're talking about Scorsese, we're talking about Leo, we're talking about the highest level of art in our business still had to had to adjust some funding and get some last minute funding yeah. in. And you were also saying that in the, the White Boy Rick movie, there was a lot of stuff that you wanted to see in the movie that just wasn't there. Right, right, right. But that's, that's I think that's more the writing, or I, I think that's more the directing, the collaboration. You know what I mean? Like there was ways you could have made Rick's movie just tighter you know what i mean as a story but again it's hard for me to like shit on a movie and i'm definitely not going to dog that movie out you know what i mean because i know how hard it is to make a movie and with rick's story there's so much information there's so much minutiae there's so many details it's a 10-hour movie yeah. like rick's story i'm taking that thing to a tv network like that's a 10-hour miniseries that's not even that's you can't tell his story you know what I mean? In 90 minutes. You, you can't. It's almost impossible, you know? And there are genius storytellers out there, like, you know, the people in, like, the Spielberg camps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those guys, they bring in their highest level story guys, and they find ways to tell the most of the story that they can, and they make it feel effortless, and there's, like, a rhythm and a pacing to it that 
is incredible. But yeah, Rick's that 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 particular movie didn't tell everything that was going on. You know, there was so much corruption in Detroit with you know ten different high level famous officials that were documented by the FBI that didn't make it into the movie. You know what I mean? There was trips to Vegas when he got paid fifteen hundred dollars cash to go to a boxing match to snitch on the on the uh, drug kingpins that were going to be in Vegas at the time when he was only fifteen years old. He got a fake ID, fifteen hundred cash, and a ticket to a championship fight. Wow! And they said, "Go to Vegas, tell us who's there." And when you're fifteen, that's just what you're going to do. You know what I mean? You're going to go. You're going to do that because you think in your mind, "I'm making money. This is fun." I don't even know what the FBI really is. Like, are they? Re- is this real? You know, he thought he was living a movie. So I totally get where he was going with his decision making. But yeah, a lot of those details did not get into the actual movie. You know, the movie wasn't bad. It just, you know, I just know the story so well that to me, I was like, damn, there's so much more that could have been done. And I think there's probably a disconnect when you have a European director telling a Detroit story. That's true. I mean, this dude's, you know, he, he's a great director, Jan Demange. I don't know. I mean, he's like an award-winning director. He's, I don't know what he's done, but I've heard he was an award-winning director. You <laughs> can look him up and tell me what else he's done. But I think there's a disconnect when you're telling a gritty inner city, east side Detroit story. And, you know, look, that's just the way our business is, man. This business is like so fucking weird because there's so much fat in it. You know what I mean? You got to go through like nine bureaucratic tape measures before getting a yes or an answer, you know, and I've, I've experienced it at some level, not at the, like the, you know, I'm ready to take that. I'm ready to take a big studio. I'll take a big studio check and you could, <laughs> yeah, yeah you could call me up every three days and we can talk about shit. But when you're making an independent film passion project and then I got to go cut two characters and rearrange the schedule, you know, that's a different story. But that being said, I'm excited to shoot this thing. I just want to, I, got, I have to figure out what my schedule is going to be like. So maybe I join the Wahlberg 5.30 a.m. club where I wake up at 5.30. I do all the joke punch-ups for the TV thing. And then I just go to set and I just go to work on single mic starting at 8 or 9. Yeah. Maybe I can make that work. And I'll have to just rearrange full sleep schedule. I'll start going to bed early like, like a high school kid. Like 8.30, 9.00. And I got to be honest, there's something nice about going to bed early, you yeah, know? Always I'm, refreshed. Always refreshed. You get that real rest. You start feeling like a kid again. You wake up, eat some Captain Crunch. You know yeah. what I mean? Totally, totally different from this morning. Yeah, completely different. Stock tip Dave had a few drinks last night. Connolly put him in check at the bar. We were at goal last night singing karaoke. The New York Islanders walked in. They, yeah, five dudes in great shape in suits just taking all the girls. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was something else... We'll, we'll transition. We'll transition now. Listen, ladies, girls in L.A., we get it. You like the famous guys. You like the guys with the money. You like the, you know what I mean? We get it. But slow down. You know what I mean? <laughs> give, give some of us a chance. Give, a, give some of the guys that are out in the streets, give them a chance. What are you doing? I just talked to you for 25 minutes, gave you my best shit. You know what I mean? Said all the right things. You're laughing. You're giggling. All of a sudden, four New York Islanders walk in. Now you're over at their booth eating their chicken tenders, sipping their champagne. (laughs) All right? Quit it. Quit it. Quit it. You know what I mean? It's a bad look for you. It's a bad look. You know what I mean? You want to get in this. Let's get in this movement. You know what I mean? Respect. I respect you, but I've never been a grope. You know what? There's more hockey, pro hockey gropers than there are street gropers. You know what I mean? And I'm not dogging out hockey. I don't want to get in trouble. Don't fight me. I don't want to fight with the Islanders. I don't want to fight with anybody. But girls, I don't like it. When I'm we're having a great time, good moment, and all of a sudden pro athletes or famous dudes walk in, sit back, relax. You know what I mean? Half of them are married and they're not telling you. All right? So just stick with the street cats. We're doing okay over here. You know? And... uh I don't know. I saw it happen firsthand last night. Yeah, that and is I'm true. Not, and I think I, one of them actually was married. And so someone was like, yeah, one of them's married, so that person shouldn't get their hopes up. Connolly's, I'll drive is all out to the location. I'll drive us. I don't even know what Connolly's saying. I'll drive us out to the location. Is that what he said? We got a location scout for the single mic apartment on October 25th. 
So Connolly doesn't even know yet that I have this new, that this network gig that's coming. So I got to break the news today, and I got to get my game face on, and then I got to tell the people over at the network. They asked me what they asked me before they gave me this gig. They said, "What's your schedule like?" I said, "There's gonna be four or five days that I may be shooting something," and they actually said, <coughs> excuse me. They said, "No problem. That's fine." Maybe I'm allergic to curry cashews. Yeah. I got in the car. I ate a curry cashew. I started coughing. Coughing curry. Anyway, for people out there listening, that's, that's what the stress of, of making an independent project is, is scheduling, budgeting. You know what I mean? Making changes to an existing story for financial purposes, you know? By the way, I could just have a good attitude about it, and I, should, I could say, yo, this is a great learning experience. This is like a great way to be on the fly. And by the way, I did it with my man as a loser, and I did it with a stand-up guy. When they called and said, you got to change these two characters to one, and you got to give this guy half a page instead of two pages because we need to be out of there by 6 o'clock, I did it. You know what I mean? But our business is reversed because, to me, Writers should be paid more. Writers should get way more credit. I know they get a little credit just on their name, but like nothing happens. There's nothing happening on the screen without the written word. There's nothing you can do. I don't give a shit if you're a fucking technical camera wizard who understands how to make a blue sky purple. You know what I mean? I don't care if you're a graphic designer and you know how to CGI my face so it looks thinner in scene four. That's why they need a team of writers for stuff. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but like our business is freaking upside down in order of like respect, you know? And Clooney said it a long time ago. He goes, you can never take a bad script and make a good movie. You can't. It's impossible to take a bad script and make a good movie. You know what I mean? But you could take a good script and make, you could take a good script and fuck it up, but you can never take a bad script and make it good. You can't. So everything starts on the page. And I just shout out to the Writers Guild. <laughs> shout out to the Writers Guild. I'm ready to march for the Guild. You know what I mean? I'm just happy to get that Writers Guild health insurance back. Man, oh, that was yeah. good. I've been having these weird health insurance plans where it's like you got to search for a doctor. They tell you you're on the plan. Then you go in. You're not on the plan. You're yeah. in the plan. You're HMOs, on the plan. PPOs. HMO, PPO, C3PO. I don't know what's <laughs> going on, man. But you got to straighten out the healthcare system. All right? I don't want to talk about too many subjects, but it shouldn't be difficult to look up a doctor who's on your plan. Is he a good doctor? That's what I want to know. You know what I mean? There's other news of the day in the young family. I, 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 I'm not going to talk about it, actually. We've got somebody in my family's going to prison. I don't want to... I can't... I'm not going to talk about that right now, but I'm not talking about it. But we've got family members are... You know, it's, it's, it's a tough time. It's a tough time. It's a tough time. I'm not going down that road, you know, but whatever. He'll be fine. Going to do two years. Federal. It's, it's not my brother. It's all that matters. You know what I mean? It's not my nephews either. And it's not my mom. <laughs> so everyone in the, in, the tight, in, the, in the center, we're all good. But I feel bad, and I'm not going to – I can't get into it because people – my family listens to this sometimes. I'm not going to go down there. Um, but that being said, I'm off to Iowa in the morning. I wanted to talk about because it does bother me when you. It does bother me in L.A. in Hollywood when you're talking to a girl and all of a sudden fame rolls in. And I, I tried to write, write a bit about it. You know what I mean? I was like, fame wins. Fame just wins. That's it. Fame wins in L.A. Right? I could be doing my best shit, talking, throwing my best game. We're laughing, having fun, da da da. And the fifth lead from a bad sitcom walks in. <laughs> oh my God, there's Darren from blah 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 on CBS. You know what I mean? Let me go talk to Darren. Yo, how do you want us? What's going on, ladies? You know what I mean? What are you doing? Who's Darren? You don't know him. He doesn't like you. You're talking to Mike Young in a corner at a house party. Do you know how good my house party game is? I grew up on house parties. You know what I mean? Detroit, Southfield, Michigan, we all we did was have house parties. Okay? Stop running off to the third lead. Stop leaving me for an extra in you know in the in fucking in shameless. You know what I mean? I love the show too. Alright? But stop fucking walking over there and talking to the guy who played a fucking heroin addict who's now homeless for one episode. All right, I'm doing better than he is. 
I'm telling you. I know you saw him on TV, but after he pays his agent, his manager, and he gets taxed and then pays pension, he's got $8. All right? There's a problem in the world. Maybe it's just the familiarity. It is the familiarity, Dave. I'm tired of it. You know what I mean? Get out in the streets. Do it the way, you know what I mean? You're talking to single Mike. (laughs) You know what I mean? Don't fucking walk away. All right? Just because just Leo and Connolly and everyone's at the bar, they ain't talking to you. They're not talking to you. They got other things going on. You know what I mean? Leo's got big shit he's got to do. Stay over. Get out of line. You're in line. There's a line to talk to Leo. There's a line. You know what I mean? I told you I wanted to write a bit about being friends with Leo, and it's like, you could tell me about George Clooney and his heyday. I don't give a shit. Brad Pitt was the man back in the 90s. Great looking, super stud. But, <laughs> but girls' vaginas have to go have a conversation after they talk to Leo. There's a literal physical <laughs> thing that happens when these girls talk to Leo. He is, and listen, I've been friends with him 17 years. I'm still nervous once in a while. He's just got something that's like, you know what I mean? That's next level. You know, he's got the star quality that they talk about, but it's like on another planet because he's so damn cool. Like, I've never been out cooled in any of my friendship circles growing up. Yeah. I was like one of the cooler ones in my... But then I hung out... You hang out with him, and you're like, ah, I'm like fourth coolest. I'm like fourth on the coolest. And I'm cool. But that motherfucker's got cool veins. Anyway, ladies, just just give us, all, give, give us a chance out there in the streets if we're all in the same place and there's famous people walking in. Don't run over there. It's a bad look for you, especially in this moment. You know what I mean? You're, you're having a moment. We're respecting you. We give women respect. The Me Too movement is in full effect. So everybody act appropriately. Everybody needs yeah. to be in check right now. Exactly. Men for sure. Women, get yourself in check too. You know what I mean? Let's all, let's all check it. Like, like last night, we were doing karaoke, going back and forth. Yeah, karaoke. Yeah, and literally, like, I literally walked to the side, and two girls were walking my way. I've never seen this girl ever in my life. I don't know where she corners me. She's like, who are you? And I'm like, what? She's literally going, who are you? Trying to figure out who, who Why, I was. Why, because everyone was talking to you? Yeah. Yeah, when you're getting love from, yeah, you, stock tip Dave. You might take one of my girls, bro. <laughs> Not one of them. I, I don't have a lot of girls. I'm just saying, like, that's the way Hollywood is, you know? And I wish we had a girl on the panel right now because what I would say is I want to know, like, still when you're trying to, like, listen, I, when dudes are trying to sell a business or, sh- or do have a good look for a company or they're having a big party, they bring in beautiful women. Now, is this a good... Do women think that this is a bad thing? Are there women that would be like, that's sexist. How could you do that? Or why can't you just say, that's just respect for a beautiful woman who's keeping herself healthy, taking care of herself, and they're bringing her to the party to help people look around and go, wow, that's just better looking than a bunch of dudes. (laughs) Is it so bad to say that pretty girls in a room are worse? That's a good thing for me. Listen... If you don't like girls, then that for you, then that's not the thing, right? That's not the motivating thing. You know, like, he, you, you do what you got to do to get your business going. I, I get it. But, like, I don't even know, man. I don't know what I'm saying. I, I fucking skateboarded out in the hallway. I'm dizzy. <laughs> I haven't tic-tacked in 40 years. Hey. I used to be a great skateboarder. I, they got skateboards here at All Things Comedy. I tic-tacked outside. Now I can't see straight. This is not vertigo. No, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no, Vertigo. No, hell no. Anyway, I got my new apartment. I think I ranted last time about the apartment. Did I have my new place on the last episode? No, you didn't. You're in the process of... In the process. Took forever. Took forever. By the way, shout out to Stock Tip Dave. I'll be real with my people out here right now, okay? I'm doing great in the world. You know, things are good right now for me. But I'll tell you what, I don't have great credit. I do not have great credit, and I've been late on a thousand rent payments in my day, and I, it's just affected me. And it's because the whole time I was traveling doing stand up, I'd just come back, and it's just not a smart thing that I did. But I would come back. Sometimes I'd pay rent on the second. I'd pay rent on the fifth. I'd pay rent on the third. On the fourth. Sometimes if my rent was two thousand and one, if it was twenty one hundred eighty seven dollars, I'd pay twenty two hundred. I'd pay two thousand seventy dollars. I didn't even know what my rent was. And <laughs> Burton Way. I'm not even kidding. 
they they gave me a ledger that was like nine pages long. Bro, I paid so many different rents. I don't even I don't even know what happened. I owed them like $190 at the end of 12 years from <laughs> like pennies that I was off. And it's a it's a it's a knock against me and it's so funny because I'm not shocked that my credit's not great. I'm not I'm not shocked. My whole life there's been a couple of things that I haven't been good with. Number 1 was parking tickets unpaid. I've had my car over the years my car's been towed probably four times. I'm very, you know, I'm very uh, afflu- affluent. Is that a, is that the word? I speak the language of the tow yard. Yeah, fluent. I'm fluent. I'm yeah. fluent. What the fuck? Why did I say affluent? I think that's me and Rich. Affluent it it is rich. being rich. It, rich. Oh, I was getting, you know what? Somebody said I was affable, which is like likability. I think I got affable and, and, and fluent mixed <laughs> up. I'm telling you, bro, my left and right brain are firing in different directions right now. <laughs> um, I'm fluent in the art of tow yard talk so i've gone to the tow yard with 80 cash in my pocket and tried to you know try to pull a quick move open up the gate you won't even know i'm here let me get my car out that doesn't work i've showed up at the tow yard and like tried to steal my own car you know what i mean back (laughs) back in the day how'd you try to pull that off bro i saw where the garage was being opened i had a friend with me i saw where my car was i saw the sticker on it i know sometimes they leave the key in the car it didn't work I didn't get my car out. No. You know what I mean? And when you get your car towed, it's just a panic sets in for an entire day. It's a process. Because that's just been a shitty thing I've not been good at until the last few years. And that is just being organized with paperwork in your life. When it comes to writing and doing my my craft, I'm the most organized person ever. You've seen my desk. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? There's an outline here. There's a whiteboard over there. There's a scene breakdown here. There's index cards over here. There's three pens. There's two Sharpies. Everything is on lockdown. But in my life, when it comes to things like that, paperwork, yeah, it's almost like I have this like chip on my shoulder where it's like, why the fuck should I do that? Worry about that. You're going to send me, but, but that's, what it, that's what you have to do. Life is paperwork. There's a lot of paperwork in life. Exactly. You know, these dudes just sent me a contract today. They sent the they sent the wrong contract. Yeah, they sent the contract for a guy named Mike Malarkino or something like. You know what I mean? Somebody else. Yeah, gotta, I'm not him. Thank God you could, everything. Stock tip. Dave caught it. I said, Dave, print this up, bring it to me. I got to sign it and get it back. He goes, Are you Mike Marlacarno? Or why, why, are you going under a different name? I'm like, No. So they messed up. So you know, being organized in all aspects of your life. And by the way, this is a perfect transition into, I probably just need a wife. <laughs> I just need a girlfriend. You know what I mean? Sure. Kevin's like, I got my assistant, and we could get her to do your, the single mic for two days out of the week, da 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 And I'm really considering splitting time with his assistant and work. You know, you can do, you can, Stock Tip Dave can do certain things, but you're not going to be organizing my house. That's not for you. That's not your skill set. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got a you got a good money brain. You got a good business brain. You know what I mean? You can go to and fro, no problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're not. I don't need you, and I don't want to see you in my place every yeah. day. No, no, it's not you. So that being said, I need some organization in my life. You know what I mean? So maybe this is like a shout out. This is this is a call. This is my own. Raya, this is my own Tinder move well, right here. You got a couple of candidates I saw in the works. Now. Yeah, great candidates. You know what I mean? I've been, I'm out there in the streets. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm out there. I'm dating. I'm doing my thing. You know, I'm not big on like a formal dating. They got to change that world up. Like, why does it need to be like a formal dinner? Let's go take a walk in the park. Yeah. Let's talk it out. Those dinners are just interviews. It's like, let's walk it while we talk it. It's like you're trying to get a job. It is a job interview. That's what Chris Rock said that. It's 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 an interview process. You know what I mean? And I'm amazing in a first interview. My first interview's off the chain. I say all the right things. Everybody's laughing. There's smiles everywhere. You know what I mean? It's around like the 18th meeting that I start to annoy you. You know what I mean? And vice versa. You know, we all up front everyone's the the new me is incredible. Brand new Mike that you just meet. Are you kidding? You're telling all your friends about me. He's funny. He's charming. He did this. He did that. Call your friends in five months. (laughs) 
He's not calling back. He doesn't text at all. He's disappearing every other week. He's on the road with Bob Saget. I don't know if this is going to work. There's no rhythm here. You know what I mean? We're all going to complain. I need to find someone that can fit into my schedule, exactly. and I can fit in their schedule. Somebody that I'm just okay with who's just doing their own thing, and I'm doing my thing, and then we come together. You yeah, know what I mean? So actually, I remember someone was like, it's like, great, it's, it's just another, another uh, week away, he's away from me. Someone said that about me? <laughs> yeah. Was it someone I was dating months ago? Yeah, because yeah. you're always traveling. It is not... Listen, bro, there's a reason that comedians are late to the get married, they're late in the game. It's because the lifestyle is not conducive to a couple making it work smoothly. You have to just either... I'll tell you what, our Sebastian's got a great thing going. And he always has. Even before he was married, Lana was with him selling shirts outside. You know what I mean? Doing, like, riding with him. That was his rock. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. And you need somebody, you need a partner who's going to be your rock. And a dude has to be that for a woman, too. Like, if she's rocking and rolling and doing her own thing, you got to be like, yeah, babe, get after it. Do it. I'm all with you. You know, I'm, I support that. Don't I hold love back. that. Hell no. And that's why I'm single right now, because the last three girlfriends I had for five years each, I felt like they weren't like that. They were. I loved them. We were in love. It was all good like that. But like when I was starting to, you know, do get busier and work more, it was more about it was more like, where are you going? What time are you going to be back? Who's at the hotel? Where have you been? How come you didn't call when you landed? How did it like I don't do well with questioning. I'm from Detroit. You know what I mean? My family was hiding cash. You know what I mean? My dad was in the cash business. We were taught not to talk about a lot of things. We're not good at be, you know, we don't want to be questioned. It's just in my DNA. Don't question me so much. You know what I mean? It makes me nervous. I don't even like a basic question. Like, you know what I mean? Like, did you get gas? Yeah, I got gas. I got gas for everybody's got gas. You know what I mean? Yeah, I put the gas in the car. You know what I mean? Did you go to Sunoco? Don't worry about where I went. Sunoco. You know what I mean? I don't even <laughs> Sunoco. Does it even exist? Where'd you go? Chevron? Were you at Chevron? It doesn't matter. Like, I was so bad with that type of shit, a lie would just pop out of my mouth. You know what I mean? Like, were you at Chevron? I was at Mobile, but I was at Chevron. <laughs> I just lied automatically. I would automatically lie, you know, which just kind of set the table for a bad run, you know? I mean, believe me, bro, I've had... I don't know, man. I, 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 got a, I got a disconnect going on. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. This girl wanted to have a baby with me. She started dropping baby talk. You know what I mean? We weren't ready for and baby Mike? I'm ready for baby Mike, but like, I guess I wasn't taking the talk as seriously as she was taking the talk. You know what I mean? But there was yeah. real talk. I mean, there, was, there, was, there was an egg in a jar. There was something in a science lab. Wow. You know what I mean? I was going to the sperm bank to... You know what I mean? To do my thing and make I mean, sure if, everything was cool. If they see how you are with your nephews, I'm sure they were all for it. Totally. I appreciate you saying that, Dave. I love my nephews. They're my favorite people. I mean, I love my brother. I love my mom. But my nephews are the coolest dudes. And my brother and sister-in-law, somehow, they just raise the coolest, badass little nephews. You know what I mean? Ian is 18. He's got a scholarship, academic scholarship to Xavier. That is, that is 100% the First young who's gotten an academic scholarship. Listen, we're a smart family, but we're smart in different ways. You know what I mean? We weren't coming off with we, we, we weren't There was no talk about academic scholarships in the household. It was never on the table. There was not one conversation in my family ever at the kitchen table where my dad was like, yo, son, you, know, you keep doing what you're doing. You're going to get an academic scholarship. No, I'm not. I'm getting C pluses and B minuses for life. That's just, except for English, A, gym, A. The two things I love, sports, writing. Sports and writing, I'm good. Maybe I should have been a sports writer. But my other nephew, 16 years old, playing high-level hockey for Honey Baked, U18, one of the best teams literally in the country, and could not just be more of a gentleman in public. No, no cockiness, no little fucking bratty ass millennial shit. You know what I mean? These are like these kids walk into a room and it's respect. You know what I mean? They they're respectful at dinner. They're respectful when you go into you know a, a, a hotel. You know what I mean? They know how to talk to adults. I know what it is too. Any of you parents out there that are coddling your kids? 
that are talking to your four-year-old and five-year-old like, oh, what's up, Jake? Good to see you, babe. Bradley. Oh, my God. Bradley. You know what I mean? Gaga, go, Bradley. You want a ball? Bradley want a ball? Bradley doesn't want a ball. Bradley wants to be talked to like this. Yo, Brad, come here, man. Here's the ball. Start dribbling. You know what I mean? Talk to him like a dude, like a human. Yeah. Like an don't adult. coddle and talk baby talk to your kids. I don't have kids, so yeah, you could say I don't know what I'm talking about, but I got 17 first cousins. I was raised with the wolves. You know what I mean? I was raised with, in backyards, in picnics, you know what I mean? In major family s- scenarios. You know what I mean? I come from a real family. And I see, I saw, I raised kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my cousin Derek, who lives out here, he was the baby of the family. If there weren't parents around, we we fed him, we got him, we he's good, we got him. Yeah, it sounds like my dad because he grew up with twelve first cousins and they all went to the same high school in Ohio. Yeah, see, there's something cool about that. It was like my favorite way. My my cousins are my f- best friends. Like I'm never more comfortable in any environment than I am. And listen, our family will drive you crazy. The adults in our family, my mom, my uncles, the way, you know what I mean? Their their relationships to each other and the way it kind of gets tense and angry and weird or whatever. But my cousins are like, we're like the coolest people. Like we ran our towns. You know what I mean? Like you just didn't fuck with any of us. I remember like somebody fucked with one of my cousins, like Kim and my brother, my brother all of a sudden like shows up at her class, pulls a kid out of a class. You know what I mean? People are getting pulled out of classes in my family, you know? So... I know what it is to be around kids and have kids and what it means, you know? And I just, my brother and my sister-in-law just did an unbelievable job with my nephews. And so did my mom, you know, my, the way my mom is with them, the way I am. I'm super Uncle Mike. I don't say no because my job is not to say no. My brother's job is to say no. I'm the one you get the pass on. Uncle Mike, I need a new hockey stick. When the fuck did hockey sticks become $300? <laughs> I'm going to get it. I'm getting it for you. But when the hell did this shit get so expensive? You yeah. know what I mean? Apparently hockey, hockey and golf are like some of the most expensive sports to get into. Hockey is the most... Because I remember even when I was growing up playing hockey and I was growing, every year my dad had to get new equipment. Every year was another $500 wow. drop. You know what I mean? And we weren't rich. My dad was struggling from till he was 45 years old. You know, 50, you know he, didn't, he died at 47. But in the last... It was really like the last six years of his life that he made real money but they were you know they were scratching together you know money to get to pay for our hockey you know we'd take a hand-me-down pair of skates for my cousin joey but i was the i was the second oldest cousin and big i was tall you know tall so there was only a minute of a hand-me-down i could get but all the rest of my cousins oh there was hand-me-downs they're still getting (laughs) hand-me-downs i think i'm still still i'm still sending my cousin jason shirts i think i saw him wear wear my shirt at uh yeah, at the, a bar mitzvah there has to be hanging me downs because if you got 17 first cousins they probably each have like two three kids and so oh yeah there's waves of we don't even have to go buy another thing in life as far as clothes <laughs> or toys for my cousins yeah, you got like they're 50 just, of them yeah because styles come back in town of everyone's got kids and me and my yeah me and my cousin joey were the only ones left with no kids you know but i don't know man i, I feel a kid coming i don't know where it's gonna come from <laughs> I did get someone pregnant a couple of years ago. We had a conversation. I mean, I'll just be... It's a podcast. I'll be as honest. Yeah, of I don't course. Give a fuck. But it was definitely a conversation was had. She was, uh, <laughs> she was on a tour. She was a backup dancer for a famous singer. Of course she was. And uh, yeah, yeah, she was, she was pregnant. She called. I started thinking about it. Definitely personality-wise, we were not going to be for each other. Just It just wasn't. This was just like a one-night, not even a, it was kind of a one-night stand situation. Even though we slept together probably seven times, but it was, you know, it was a one-night stand situation. And I got the call, and I, you start thinking about crazy shit. You're like, is, is she smart? Like, how is this? How's her brain? The face is amazing. The body, this kid is 100% going to be athletic with great skin. You start thinking about shit like that. You know what I mean? But then you go, am I gonna, I'm going to be tied to this person forever through this kid. How do you want it to? So you want, I believe, and I don't know because I don't have a kid. I haven't done a kid with, you know, 
a person I'm not in love with. So, but I would think you'd want to at least if yeah. you're going to have that arrangement, you want to like you want to like the person that you had the kid with. You know what I mean? Cuz I've seen enough kids now and I, it's like kids are affected by what goes on in a house. You could see they feel anger. They oh, feel they feel yelling when you're pregnant, when a girl's pregnant. They come out mad. You know, what I mean? a kid will come out mad. <laughs> like a kid, a kid will just come out like, "Stop the yelling!" <laughs> I gotta write that down. Write that down for me, please. We, we, please. That's sure. that's, a, that's a good bit. Kids can feel everything. You know, they can for sure feel everything. Like I think, my, like my, my nephew was a heavy crier when he was young. I think it's because my brother and his wife were battling in the, in the house once in a while, and, and they would, they would, the kids would hear that. But kids feel it all. So, you know, what am I giving parents parental advice? I'll give parental advice and advice on kids, and I don't have either. I'm not a parent or a father. You know, I'm not, I'm not a parent, but I'll still give the advice. That's it's right. like that girl. Somebody wanted to hook me up with the girl who does Millionaire Matchmaker. I forgot her name. You ever see that show? There's a show. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I do like, not, don't know the person's name, but I know what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go on there. I'll, go ahead. Send me a millionaire girl. We'll, see, we'll yeah. see, see what's up. But you're right, though, because I've seen um, TV shows, episodes where people put like, you know, headphones on their stomachs so they can you know, put their baby at calm because they're listening to music. through. Yeah, calm the baby. <laughs> Yo, Saget is texting me like crazy. He's already worried about getting to the flight at 5 a.m. He's asking me, do I want to stay over the house in the guest house and drive with him? No, Bob, I'm going to meet you at the airport. I'll be there. No problem, 100%. I'll be on time. I will be on time. I'll bet you my new apartment complex called, and they want to tell me about... Let's see what they're saying. Hi, Mike. This is Allie calling from the Burton Way Leasing Office. I just wanted to give you a quick call and let you know that we had a one-bedroom that's... Too late. I don't even want to hear about it. I'm so happy in my new place. You know what I mean? Oh, I missed a call from White Boy Rick again. Damn! Oh, he called in? Yeah. Text Michelle White Boy Rick. Can we get him on again? Or is it too late? No, he'll probably call back. Hold on. Text text Michelle White Boy Rick. Mama, I can't do it. I was going to text his girl and say, have him call me again. He'll probably call back. But uh, I don't know, man. Do I do I go have a baby with a girl I like as a person? Of course. Gotta no, no. I mean, a girl I only like as a person. Like I'm not in love. We're not really fully dating. I think it could work. Well, you got to be compatible. So like you can, you know, maybe I call this girl today and get her pregnant tomorrow. You know what I mean? Let's get this going. Let's just get this going. You know what I mean? Single Mike, the Bachelor season. You know what I mean? A season of finding a mate. That could be a whole season. The dating season. <laughs> Because the first episode, the pilot episode, is really about is really about me. It's about me navigating navigating single life and trying to come up with an, a new a new an hour bit my my new act. But yeah. life keeps getting in the way. That's really what the show is. The show is me navigating single, trying to come up with my new material, and life just keeps hitting me in the face. Is there any date scenes in it? Like, there is, yeah, yeah. Like in the op- yeah, opening scene, girl who I was with the night before, you know, she's actually hilarious and she just won't leave, but she's like, <laughs> she's like adorable about it. She's not like mean. She's just like on my phone, on my computer, checking my text. She's just like in. She's in. You know what I mean? And it's kind of based on a girl that I did date a while ago. And I looked up one day, two months later, and she was living with me. I had no idea how it yeah. even happened. And she's checking your emails, going through all your stuff? Checking through my emails, looking through all my stuff. You know, so it opens on, you get the idea that this guy's struggling. You know what I mean? He, and he's like, he's a, he's a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's not like sleeping around town for no reason. He's just living his life, you know? And it's... Life, life hits him, and thank God he gets bits out of it. You know, he actually crafts, he crafts the bits out of it. So it's funny because in the first episode, also my assistant wants me to set up a birthday party because he's got no relate, no connections in L.A. So he wants to impress a girl. So I'm going to set up everything for him, and of course, mayhem ensues. You know, and I set it up, and it goes bad with him and his girl. It goes bad. I see my ex at the place. You know what I mean? It just, everything keeps hitting me in the face. And at the end, I'm just taking a deep breath going, whew. <laughs> Being single is exhausting. And oh, then yeah. that becomes the first bit in the new hour. Yeah, because that's actually... And by the 10th episode, I'll have an hour. 
and on the 10th episode of the season, I'll, you'll see the hour. And that hour will be all the material that I crafted throughout the season. Very simple idea, very simple narrative device. You know what I mean? And as long as I give it some drive. And I talked to Doug Allen the other day because I was having a problem. You know, I was, I was like, you know, do I need to be, just, can every episode stand alone like Seinfeld? Should I serialize it like Larry David? You know, Larry David had like five episodes that were con- run congruent. Different stories for each episode or a continuing thing through the whole season. Exactly. That's serialized. And it can work either way. And because the single mic show is like, it's character driven, you know what I mean? The, the audience isn't really going to care so much about what happens next week. Like Entourage, they cared because was Vince going to get the movie? Was Turtle going to sell the company? Was True. he going to become the manager? You were kind of hanging on those threads. Exactly. So maybe you can make one episode about each character or, or dedicate an episode to a character. Uh, no? No. 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 <laughs> Good try. No. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dedicate an episode to a specific character, but like... I would dedicate an episode to who are my friends and what do they mean to me in this world. So in the first episode, you get a flavor for my best friend who's, you know, the female, who's like the female me. But she's fresh out of divorce. She's in the streets. You know what I mean? She's like living hard. You know what I mean? Because on a certain on a certain level in her, you know, in her subconscious, she's rebelling. You know what I mean? That marriage didn't work out and she's just out there living wild. You know, but she's a hilarious, great girl. She's got money, so she doesn't need to be living wild or doing anything yeah. for money or whatever. But she's like, you know, she's like almost like a spoiled girl who's just rebelling out there. You know what I mean? In the first episode, you know, she sleeps with a rapper who she just met. <laughs> you know, this is a white girl from Beverly Hills is about to clip a rapper from Compton. You know what I mean? But she likes him. Yeah. You know, it's just total. Everyone's a fish out of water, which kind of is the way it is in L.A. You know what I mean? Like. Let me tell you something. The Kardashians who sleep with the rappers and all that, believe me when I tell you, they're all from different worlds. Those girls grew up rich, money, high life, bam. They're creeping over here to see what's, you know, something yeah, like, in them. Like something in them like wants... Tyga, like Yeah, something what? in them wants to feel edgy. I don't know what it is. I'm not a psychiatrist, but there's something in them that wants to say, I am not a spoiled rich girl from Beverly Hills. Watch this. <laughs> I'll sleep with a rapper who doesn't even have a record deal. You know what I mean? They're really trying to prove shit. And I've seen it happen throughout my life. It's just bad boy syndrome type of thing. Like I've seen rich girls from where I grew up, you know, kind of come over to like Southfield or go to Detroit and, you know, in the hood. Now they got like a hood boyfriend. Yeah. You know? And it's a, it was usually like a phase for girls in high school. And then I just think it's some psychological Maybe there's some drive. truth of opposites of tract. Well, there's truth that opposites attract, but there's also a truth to like a girl that grew up totally 100% privileged, never having to think about money in her life. You know what I mean? Just everything, good food, good silverware, heavy plates, you know what I mean? Great cars, just yeah. never had to, they, you know what I mean? For her to step into a danger, a little danger zone and a little edgy environment, you know what I mean? It kind of like gives her credit that she's not a spoiled brat or it gives her credit that, you know, she's more than just a spoiled girl. I don't know. I'm not a... I'm not a I'm not a woman in her 20s or 30s, but I can I've seen it happen. You know what I mean? Like my family had money growing up, just enough. To, you know, we had money to eat, but we were not wealthy at all. We were kind of you know my dad. You know, we lived in a tiny house, and you know then we moved to a de- a bigger house and then a bigger house. But like for a long time, I'd say we were low tax bracket. You know what I mean? Like there was some real white trash motherfuckers around me. I'm talking about like leather guns. I mean, leather jackets, guns, like greaser type shit. Like I remember going to like a football game and like the dudes who were my neighbors who I knew were going to get in a fight and the dude pulled a gun out. This fucking, this is pulled a gun out of a leather jacket while his hair was greased. I mean, this shit is in (laughs) Detroit, not fucking Brooklyn, you know? And he held the gun up in the air and he was going into this battle. And I'm like, holy fuck, man. That dude's my neighbor, and I go to school with his brothers and sisters, and he just pulled a gun. Like, that guy's got to be dead by now. You know, I forgot. I don't know who. I forgot his name. He's got to be. Something had to happen to him. You know what I mean? He was just gun out, running into a fight a fight situation. Reminds me of the Outsiders, what you're describing. He was straight up out of the Outsiders. I grew up in an Outsiders-type neighborhood first. We were like, there was maybe two Jewish families on the block, and... 
and there were like some real me and my brother were like good athletes so like we were kind of included in like the roughneck football games and but you know all the rough shit that was going on but there there was a different mentality over there you know what i mean like we had a neighbor that was like blowing off quarter sticks of dynamite in the street there was a redneck you know across the street who was bullying me to the point did i ever talk about this no he was bullying me to the point of he was whooping my ass on a daily fucking basis wow. he was like 17 i was like nine but we were jewish living across the street and i'd be riding my bike and he would always come across the street talk shit smack me in the head get me on the ground stomp me on the ground no joke i'd go in the house crying my dad would come out and say something. This happened many times. This motherfucker tortured me. So, what did he do with the dynamite? The- him and his stupid redneck friends would just, for fun, blow shit up like a mailbox. Or they'd stick it in the fucking concrete, a quarter stick of dynamite, and blow the street up. <laughs> I'm not kidding, bro. They'd blow up, they'd drop it into like, it would be like waterproof or whatever. And these weren't just M80s. They would, like, drop some real fucking bombs in the neighborhood. That's crazy. No, these are motherfuckers. This is, like, Timothy McVeigh type shit, you know? Like, you could talk all... The news will show you, like, how the hood is all fucked up and the dangerous shit. But I never see, like, the white trash shit on the news. Yeah. You don't ever see the white trash poor motherfuckers doing shit. My neighbor they're doing shit. My neighbor had a field that they yelled, just like you're saying, but with M80s, like, he would just... Lighted in stupid things. Like I remember one story. Somehow, their mom encountered somebody. They put, they put cows in their backyard, and all of a sudden, he thought it was cool to like light manure on. You know, put M80s in the manure and have it blow up and go all over the place. Yeah, like yeah, same type of thing. But those are M80s, and those were probably Jewish kids rebelling. You know what I mean? These are some rednecks with guns at a young age. You know what I mean? They were stealing cars, and I remember. God, it's so crazy, man. Because the memory gates start start to open up. But, like, you know, I don't want to say that my dad had this family moved out of our neighborhood. But I'll say the last time I came in the house crying after he smacked the shit out of me and kicked me and beat me on the ground for real, I ran in crying. And my dad ran past me just through the door. He ran right past me. I looked out the window, or I looked, I can't remember if I was on the porch or the window, I looked out, and all I saw from behind was my dad throwing heavy fucking haymakers, whooping this fucking kid's ass, taking him to his house, no joke, beat his ass across the street, into his house, my dad went into the house, I don't know what he said to his father or what happened, but like a week later, bro, I'm not even making this up, there was a for sale sign on the lawn. Of this house. Yeah. And you never saw him again. I never saw him again, but I know he's alive somewhere because I've Googled the dude because he tortured me so bad that I, I, I Googled him. I know he's in Florida, which is where all the fucking animals, <laughs> I don't want to say that. Florida, <laughs> there's good parts of Florida, but God damn, you guys got some crazy people down there. But my dad whooped his ass. There was a for sale sign. That, you know what I mean? And when I wrote that Detroit piece that Eminem was on board to executive produce, when I wrote that thing... I ended the pilot with that scene and the way I wrote it because, you know, I don't know who my dad, I don't know who he talked to. I don't know what happened. I wasn't there for the, for the talk, but somebody was told, somebody went to that house and they moved. I don't know what was said. I don't know who my dad called. Late night door knock. There was a, probably a fucking early morning door knock. Like, <laughs> Hey, listen up. You fucked up. And if you don't get the fuck out of this neighborhood, your kid's gonna something's gonna happen to your kid like some real heavy shit because you know i've talked about it on the podcast before my dad worked at the southfield athletic club it was an all men's health club in detroit in southfield michigan and it was also if you google southfield athletic club americanmafia.com will come up and my dad was just the athletic director there and it was where the mobs headquarters were and in 1975, when Jimmy Hoffa disappeared, every gangster's alibi was that they were working out, taking a steam, taking a schwitz, getting a haircut, getting a manicure at the Southfield Athletic Club. And I remember when I was a kid asking my dad, because the news about Hoffa was heavy, you know, and I remember asking my dad, or maybe he just offered up the, the, the knowledge, but, you know, but the gangsters that were allegedly responsible for the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa, they were at the club. They showed up that day. They oh, made wow. sure to come to the club and show face. And so when the FBI had to 
asked my dad questions. My dad didn't even have to lie. Yo, they were here. They were here. And so I always thought it was really crazy that the greatest American murder mystery, basically the most famous murder mystery, Jimmy Hoffa, the answers to it were in my living room. Like my dad, everybody in Detroit knew what went down. You know what I mean? It's not, they could just never prove it. It's never going to be proven. But everybody in the neighborhood, everybody around that world, they all knew the people that Hoffa was pissing off. They all knew the, the way he was coming at, you know, at the gangsters. They all knew he was tied in with them. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like a, he wasn't a snitch about it. He was just a guy that loved his power and they didn't want him back in power in the union. And they made sure he did not get back to the president's seat of the, I think, it, uh, not, the, not uh, of the Teamsters. They didn't want, you know, it was, he wanted to be, but when he got out of prison, he wanted to be the president again of the Teamsters union and get back in the good graces of the gangsters that were making money in Vegas, that were making money in the streets, that were making money in construction, real estate. He made a fortune with all those guys. But they had already been doing their thing with the new guy, Fitzsimmons, who was the head of the Teamsters. And so they just made sure Hoffa didn't show back up. And it was fucking disappearance. Goodbye. But my dad definitely knew people. He might be on Lake Michigan. He could be under the boat that we have, that we're selling, (laughs) that we actually got rid of this summer. But, uh, yeah, my dad knew people, man. He And I just, he wasn't a gangster. My dad was absolutely not a gangster, but he was a street guy. You know what I mean? He just got along with, he got along with the top surgeon, you know what I mean? At Beaumont Hospital was his good friend. The, you know, a underworld gangster who was involved in boxing was his good friend. The doctor for all the fighters and the athletes and entertainers were his good friends. And... The mobsters that he went to their weddings, you know, the gangsters, they were his friends. And there's just something to be said about, you know, a dude who can walk in all worlds. Did they go to your bar mitzvah or what? A couple, they definitely came to my dad's funeral. Um, I don't remember who was at my bar mitzvah, but they showed up, you know, they came to the funeral, they came to the house to sit shiva. Uh, We had the scrap metal business going. And, you know, me and my brother basically, my brother basically took over the scrap business after my dad passed away. But my brother was only 18 years old, and the scrap metal business in Detroit was really run by guys in their 60s, 50, late 50s, 60s, 70s, old school, mostly Jewish or Italian guys that had an honor system that they literally live by, an honor system. It was obviously a heavy cash business. And... The guys that came to my mom to the funeral basically told my mom, if there's any issues or any problems that you run into in your business, let us know and we'll handle it. And we never really had to make the call, but there was one situation where in the scrap business, some scumbag tried to come steal our family's accounts. After my dad passed, he went right at it with no remorse. And so we did have to make a call and that squashed that whole situation. You know what I mean? Like that guy did not touch the account, and we never heard from him. I mean, he, he didn't disappear, but he could have. You know, it's it's. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get in that world. That's that's a world that existed long, you know, long time ago, and it's a world that my family was not in. But like, you can't be in the scrap business in the '80s without dropping off money, shaking hands, having an honor code. You know what I mean? Making a handshake deal. My dad didn't have contracts with anybody, bro. We had a dump truck. We had one giant dump truck, and I used to drive it when I was 16 years old. I loved driving that thing. And we'd load it up with brass or load it up with steel or load it up with copper or load it up with, you know, new or new steel, you know, or co- or copper coiling or shavings, whatever the metal was at the time. And we would take it down 8 Mile, get it on a scale, get paid in cash, you know what I mean, right away, take it into the yard dump the truck, boom. And we would do all this shit, and I'd see my dad making like 20000 cash a day. Wow. Before 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we, were, we were up at 4.30 in the morning on the truck making money. You know what I mean? And 
you know, that's just how business was done in the 80s. Then the government came in in the 90s, regulated scrap metal, and it's a different animal now. It's a huge business still, but it's not as many because scrap back then, nobody wanted to be taking out their own scrap. Yeah, It was junk. It was shit to them. So you'd go to a manufacturing plant that was stomping out molds. Say they're stomping out, you know, whatever. It could be anything like a bolt or a nut or, you know, a piece for a car. And they're stomping out 7 million pieces a day. So everything around that piece is scrap. They stomp the mold. Scrap goes into a bin. Sam, they call my dad, come get this shit. And you just get it out of there so they can keep business running. So you were an important part of it, and they really didn't set up their own... Back then, they weren't really setting up their own scrap situation. You know, I think they got hip to the game later that they could just keep it all in-house, and that's just what they did. But my dad had an amazing run in that world for a good period of time. You know, and God, I don't even... This is a story that need... I'm, I'm going to tell this last story, then we'll get out of here because it's, it's, it's almost an hour. But I'll, I'll tell this story because it needs to be told. A week before my dad died... I, I could tell the story. A week before my dad died, he was on his deathbed, bro. My dad had pancreatic cancer. He was diagnosed. He passed away f- less than four weeks later. I got the call. Like, we were all in Vegas for a fight. My dad was coughing. He wasn't feeling good. He wasn't looking good. Long story short, he go flies home. He gets sick on the plane. My mom takes him to the hospital. It's pancreatic cancer. It happened that fast. So... Everything's happening. I get the call from his good friend who's a surgeon, says your dad maybe has six months to live. I come home. I go home from college. Me and my brother fly home. We go home. My dad, within days of already seeing him, he's already fucking yellow. It's over. There's no cure for this shit. It's done. But my dad still had business on his mind because he knew he was dying and he wanted to make sure the family was taken care of. And so my dad says to me while he's hooked on an oxygen tank in his room, and my dad's boys were the fucking, they were like his boys. You know what I mean? Like I got friends, like my boys, his crew, like they came over, they bought a big screen TV, they sat it in his room so he could enjoy his last moments. This is real gangster shit, bro. And so my dad says to me, yo, go get 15,000 out of the shoebox. I don't even know that we have a shoebox at this time. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I didn't know we had a shoebox full of money. There was always hundreds around, but they were hidden in like sock drawers and whatever. And every now and then I'd peel off a hundred and I would just have money. Uh, but he goes, take 15000 put it in an envelope. And he tells my brother, go get the car ready. I took $15,000, put it in an envelope, got in the car with my dad. My dad sat in the back, hooked on oxygen. He said, we got to go to the yard and we got to talk to Vern. Vern was my dad's guy at the brass place. You know what I mean? I did, I'd been doing business. I'd been, I've, I've known Vern, Vern my whole life. I'd known him. But I'd never seen any business transacted with him. Yeah. You know? But my dad was like, listen, you're going to go inside. You're going to see Vern. You're going to give him the money. You're, gonna come, you're not going to tell him I'm here. I don't want anyone to see me like this. You're not going to tell him I'm here. You're just going to come back and we're out of here. So I pull up to the scrapyard. My brother gets in the driver's seat. I go inside. I got 15000 in an envelope in my pocket. I see Vern. He knows why I'm there. He gives me a hard hat, like a yellow hard hat, construction hat. He knows my dad's not doing well. He asks, how's your dad doing? I said, not, it's not great, but thanks for asking. He goes, okay, come with me. He takes me out to the scrapyard to the outside where there's like, you know, copper, brass, everything stacked up, mounds. There's cars getting crushed in the back. There's machines. There's fucking, you know, they, they got the magnets that, can, that lift cars, put them in the machine and squash them. All that's happening, and he's looking at me, and he just goes, okay, now. I give him the money. He takes the money. He stuffs it basically down his pants. I'll never forget because he was fat, and I remember like it was kind of hard for him to like stuff it. He looked like Fred Flintstone, that's and he funny. stuffed 15000 cash, and he goes, okay, good. Let's go back inside. We go back inside, chit-chat, chit-chat. I give him the hard hat. Business is done. And basically, that was my dad's way of saying, passing me the baton. And basically saying, if you want to do business in this world, in this in this world, and you want to, you're going to continue my company, and you're going to continue doing this, just understand that you need to take care of people. And I'm not even saying that that was like an illegal move. I don't know what deal they had worked out, but my dad took care of everybody. He always believed in like taking care of whoever needed to be taken care of. Every year he would take all the guys from the yard. He'd take them to the strip club on Eight Mile and just treat them right. And you know, my dad played it to me like he was like a super innocent, you know, yeah. guy. And that's how you look at your dad when you're young. But after he passed away, you know, my dad's friends would say, you know, yo, your dad was fun. Like he was fun. He would drink. He would, 
you know, because my dad would talk to me like, if you drink, if you do drugs, I'll fucking kill, I'll break your arm. Like, he'd talk crazy when he threatened me with that stuff. But I figured that was, that's a story that lets you know, you know what I mean, where, exactly. I, where I'm from. You know what I mean? So you come out to Hollywood and you kind of start, it's easy to lose who you were, lose yourself in this stupid bullshit that we surround ourselves with sometimes. But let it be known. I'll put 15000 in the envelope and give it to somebody <laughs> if I need to. You know what I mean? I got no problem with it. And I actually don't mind it. I, I like that. I, I, I like doing business like that it, if it makes sense. You know what I mean? Big deal. You know, you look at these white-collar criminals in the world and the fucking fraudsters and people committing insurance fraud, medical fraud, all these scams. You can have your fucking white-collar bullshit. Get out of You know what I mean? It's just whatever there's 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 dirt at, on all levels you know what i mean exactly and this wasn't this wasn't i wasn't doing dirt i was just paying somebody who was providing a service you know what i mean who needed to be and my dad probably owed him you know a couple thousand for months but my point was that my dad in his last days was th- making sure business continued and that his family was going to be okay you know what i mean yeah. who the fuck knows what i'd be thinking you know what i mean who knows what people be, are thinking in their last days? I'd be under the covers crying to a fucking Barbara Streisand soundtrack. You know what I mean? Sure I don't know why I said Barbara Streisand. I don't even know one song she sings. I'm just thinking of the saddest fucking thing you could have. You know what I mean? I ain't jumping out of planes. I'm not fucking Titanic celebrating. Song. You're fucking, it's fucking sad. Anyway, that's been an hour. Stories that need to be told. Stock tip Dave. Mike Young. I'll be in Iowa this Saturday night with Bob Saget. This podcast will not even will already have, will not even be out till a day later. We're doing a one nighter. I'll be up at three a.m. Coming up, we're doing. We got Miami. We're opening the new Improv in Miami. Oh, that should be good. Go on BobSaget.com and you can see where we're going. But we're doing the Miami Improv, West Palm. We're doing all Florida gigs. Then we got New York, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, a uh, bunch of Eastern Seaboard gigs. And I'll be shooting single mic, and I'll be simultaneously writing a new TV show for a network that I can't talk about. Just I can't say the the show yet. But all that being said, everybody have a great weekend. We're out. Take me back when I was a kid. Take me Never back. Never had now. to worry about what I did. The one time I'm a man two. now. Check it out. Now. Gotta the get it down. No sound. time getting down now. now. Take me back uh, when I was a one, kid. Two. Never had to worry about what I did, but I'm a man now.